Join me this morning, if you would, for a reading in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10. And I intend to read verse 11, but we might back up just a little bit. The sovereignty of God is so grand, so immense, so far-reaching, that it is amazing to me as I read, and we're going to be studying from the book of Numbers again today, whereas we, we go through this book in chapters 13 and chapters 14, we're going to make references to both of those chapters today. But when we look at those chapters, we find that God in His eternal and everlasting purpose had laid them out, had purposed these things out so that they might be an example for us. Just think of all the things that happened in chapter 13 and in chapter 14 were an example for us as the Apostle Paul is going to bring out here in this reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that he is wise, all-knowing, all-powerful, that what he purposed for them to happen there could be of a benefit to us two or three thousand years later. So read with me here in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we want to begin reading, I'm going to begin reading with verse 1, because it covers some of the book of Numbers that we're going to be reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1, be ye followers of me, excuse me, I'm in chapter 11, I'll back up one chapter. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat of that same spiritual meat, and did all drink of that same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness." Now these things were our examples to intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three, thousands, uh, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples. And they are written for our admonition unto whom the ends of the world are come. All of these things happened unto them for in samples. So it takes an ever power, all powerful, ever eternal God that could take that and make it for his glory and for his honor and his praise, even for us today. This is not just things that are happening. These are things that are purposed. These are not just things that are by chance, but God is overriding all of these things. Now, there is a message that the Lord shared with Nicodemus many years ago there in John chapter 3. And 
when Jesus was speaking to him and he brought up the subject of, of being born, must I enter my mother's womb the second time and be born? Jesus said, are you a teacher? Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Now, what is he making reference there to? You know, Nicodemus was a person that had read the Old Testament, no doubt, many, many times. And he was a teacher of the Old Testament. And Jesus Christ is sharing with him, if you knew what the Old Testament was about, you'd understand what I'm talking about. Now, we follow the Old Testament through, and we find that God never gave glory to man, but he always honored himself, and he demonstrated it in the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No one there to help. No one there to add. No one there to comment on. And then he created man after his own image. There was nobody there to vote on what he should look like. There was nobody there to tell what it should happen there. God created him out of the dust of the earth. And God came upon that dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And that man became a living soul. If we follow down through, we find that it was God that instructed Noah how to build an ark. It was God that led the children of Israel. They crossed over the Red Sea. It was God that gave them the victory at Jericho. And this just goes from Genesis down to Malachi. And he said, Nicodemus, if you really understood, you would know that I have been in charge of all things from the very beginning. And this is not an impossibility with God, God can give the new birth and he leaves you out of the equation. Well, as we go back to the book of Numbers, we find there that there's a subject that has been brought up and continuously brought up, and that is the subject of grace. Grace is a wonderful subject that is described and declared in the Bible. Now, mankind has come and muddled up the very definition of grace. We have people teaching today that there are works of grace, and that is so contrary to the very definition of grace. Grace is a subject that is brought up here in the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and chapter 14, where we find that the Lord God Almighty had shared with the children of Israel, turn with me if you would, to Numbers chapter 13, excuse yeah, Numbers chapter 13, and then we'll look at a few in verse 14. As we go through this gospel according to Numbers, in Numbers chapter 13, and there in verse 1, we find that the Lord spake to Moses. Now, he's going to share grace right away. He's going to share with us what grace is right away. And that is that God is going to be about his business, and he is going to be doing it for people without their help. That's what grace is. He's going to do things for people without their help or assistance. And the moment that we get involved with helping God and trying to get some, some uh, points out of it, we've missed the point of grace. Here in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 1, it says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Now that's grace, that God would condescend to come down and speak to a man. But he does it constantly through the Bible because he has a message to share. I am the God of all grace. And that means... I will show favor upon those who do not deserve it and absolutely do not deserve it. I'm in charge of this. Send thou men, verse 2, that they may search the land of Canaan. Now notice this next phrase, which I gave unto the children of Israel. Now that's grace. You're going to inherit this land 
and I'm giving it to you. You're not going to be someone that's going to have to work for it. There's not going to be effort into it, and you're not going to be able to claim the victory of it. Well, we follow what works gets involved in it, and when works gets involved in it that don't know grace, we're going to come back with the report that these people came back with. Well, let's just think about grace for a moment. Would you turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 20 for just a moment? Acts chapter 20, verse 24. The whole gospel is called the grace of God. In the book of Acts chapter 20, we find this summation given by the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. As we think about grace and the grace that God shared with the children of Israel that day when he says... You send men over there to a land I've given you. All I want you to come back with is to say, this land is wonderful. That's just like us saying, the gospel is great. The gospel is wonderful. It's so beneficial. It's so glorious. It's all of God. I did nothing for it. He's given me his salvation. I did nothing for it. I didn't have to do any work for it. Now, in my religious time, I spent a lot of time working, but in this gospel that God has for his children, for those he chose in Christ before the foundation of the world, there's no work in it. In fact, rest. Sit down and rest. Just like he said there in the very beginning, when God finished his work, he rested. Now, it wasn't because he was tired. He's given us an illustration of what grace does for us. We get to rest. We're at peace. The work is finished. All right. Notice here in the book of of Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which he received, which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now that's what God revealed to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus was the gospel of the grace of God. Now you want to back up a minute before God revealed that to him, you'll find that that Saul of Tarsus had a gospel of the works that he performed. And he tells us about it when he shares, this is where God took me from. I was... um, a man that was born of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had medals and plaques and all kinds of things on his wall of accomplishments that he had performed. And he was able to say, by the grace of God, that was done. It accomplished nothing. There was no glory in it at all. I was the only one that was honoring that kind of thing. God didn't have a thing about that being glorious. So the whole gospel is called the grace of God and the application of it in any individual instance is saving power and is called the grace of God. God's unmerited favor that he would accomplish everything that is absolutely essential for the salvation of his people and we would be the recipients of it and not the participants of it. We he would find us dead in trespasses and sin. He would find us going after our own way. He would find us in some religion that we were bowing down before some false god. He would find us in that condition. And as we heard read this morning in Ephesians chapter 2, he would quicken us. He would make us alive. And he's the only one that can give life. 
He's the only one that can give life in the beginning when he gave it to Adam or all the critters and creatures or grass or uh, alfalfa or trees or whatever it is. He is the creator of life in everything, every establishment. And when it comes to spiritual things, he is the creator of life. We are born again. We are given, uh, he raises us from the spiritual dead. And grace we found there in Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. So when we follow these spies that are being assigned to go into the land that God had given to them. And we have them going in there and spending 40 days. We're going to have 10 of them come back and know not one thing about grace. They didn't understand grace. It wasn't in their vocabulary. They couldn't even think in that direction because to be spiritually minded is a gift of God. It's part of the grace of God given to us. And there were two that came back and said, what God said, he can do. What God promised, he will accomplish. Let's not be in a bitter mood about this. Well, in the book of Romans chapter 11, would you turn there with me? Book of Romans chapter 11. The grace of God is free. Did you have any dew on your windshield this morning? Well, if you're in a garage, you didn't. <laughs> I had dew on I've had for the last few mornings, had dew on it. How much did I have to do about getting that? Not one bit. How much do I have to do about getting light from the sun? Now that's grace. As an illustration of grace, we had nothing to do with getting the light from the sun, and we have nothing to do about getting dew on the blade of grass or on our windshield. It's a gift. It's what God does. God is the giver of grace, and those things are a minuscule description of what grace is. It's all of God. I walked out. I see it. I appreciate it, but I had nothing to do with it. Well, here in the book of Ephesians, we, or excuse me, book of Romans chapter 11, everything by Christ is grace. And to think that any merit or movement by the creature would alter, it would destroy the property of grace. If we get our works involved, it is absolutely destroying the very property of grace. Romans chapter 11 and verse 6. Let's read this together. Romans chapter 11 and there in verse 6, the scriptures share this. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Now that's going to be a real interesting review of what took place when God sent 12 spies into the land. They all saw the same thing. They all witnessed the same thing. And in fact, did you realize they're all of the same family? We mentioned this last Sunday. Those 12 spies are probably cousins. They eat the same food. They sleep in the same company with each other. They're a family moving through the wilderness. They've been brought out of Egypt together. They've seen all the miracles of God together. They've heard God speak together. They've seen the fire and the pillow of cloud together. They've been around and saw everything the same. And yet we find 
that two of them saw some spiritual benefit in this, and ten of them only realized the physical benefit of it. Here in the book of Romans chapter 11, And if by grace, then it is no more of works. God said, I've given you the land. Trust me. Believe it. And some did, but most didn't. Now there's a verse of scripture in the book of Deuteronomy, we'll read again, that says with, shares with us, God said, I did not give you a heart to believe. We'll read that in a moment. But let's read the rest of this verse. It says, otherwise grace is no more grace. If it has a particle of works in it, it is not grace. If there is any works in it whatsoever of any kind, it's not of grace. Grace precludes all works. Grace is God's gift. Grace is from God. And he does not allow any of the mixture. Now, I like blue cheese dressing. And the other day, Nancy bought some blue cheese dressing. Now, I had seen a lot of blue cheese dressing, but this blue cheese dressing, all of the oil in it has rose to the top. And I said, oh my word, that's a lot of oil. You know, they spin it and homogenize it and go through some process, and by and large, most of the time, you cannot see that oil. But when this special jar came up, you could see all the oil. Now, that's what people try to do with grace and works. They try to homogenize it so it looks good, but it's still full of works. Now, I've heard people say they're mixing grace and works. You cannot do that. There's no possibility of mixing it. God has no mixture for working, mixing grace and works. It's, not, it's an impossibility. We can't do it. We have works or we have grace. And just as we read here, otherwise grace is no more grace, but if be of works, then it is no more of grace. Otherwise work is no more of work. The Apostle Paul, sharing with the saints at Rome, is bringing up this point that they had to deal with, and that is how much works can be in grace and still be grace. And he says, zero. Where did he get that message from? God. The highest authority has spoken on this subject. Not some philosopher, not some theologian, but God Almighty has spoken on this and said, this is works and this is grace and you can't mix, mix the two. If by grace, then it's not of works. The first time that this word is used in the Old Testament is found in the book of Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. Would you turn there with me to the book of Genesis? Here's some words about the flood. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. I remember discussing this in my religious days with somebody, and they were telling me what a wonderful person Noah must have been for God to notice him. <laughs> you know, that's exactly the wrong conclusion. <laughs> That's, what, that's exactly the wrong view of grace. To think that God got attracted to us because we were good people. That's not what he's telling us here in the book of Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. This is a statement that God makes about Noah. Now we're going to back up two verses here. I believe it is in just a moment. But in verse chapter 6 and verse 8, 
says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, there was nothing good about Noah that God got attracted to him. In fact, if we back up, we find out there in uh, uh, verse 5 of the same chapter, here's where Noah was. He was just like the rest of the lot. And if we think for a moment that we're different than the rest of the lot, we don't believe what we just heard read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We all had our manner of life in sin. That's just what we are. And if we don't believe that, we don't believe in grace. We just cannot comprehend grace yet. Pray to God that he will show us grace. But here it says in verse 5, God saw, God saw that the wickedness of man was, and I've had people say, it really wasn't that bad. But when God said it, I'm going to have to agree with him. On this side of salvation, I have to agree with him. On the other side, I could find problems. But on this side of salvation, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, that's where Noah found himself. He was in that lot. He was in that group. That's where the apostle Paul said, that's where I came from. I was in that lot. I was in that group. He never said, I was smarter than everybody else. In fact, he would say, I'm the least of all. And then he concluded by saying, oh, wretched man that I am. And that's after he'd been saved for many years. So this is where Noah found himself by nature. And verse 8 is where we find him by the grace of God. God demonstrated his grace upon him without Noah's work, without Noah's faith, without Noah's belief, without anything from Noah, God gave him grace. And you know what the fruit of grace is? Belief, repentance, faith, all the rich blessings of Christ are the fruits of God's work in us. We do not procure the fruits of God's blessings by our faith. He gives us faith as a blessing of grace. Now, Noah would be able to say, and I believe he would have said, he probably did say, these words jump way over to the New Testament again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As we think about Noah, First time we find grace in the scriptures, he is one that is out of the whole lot of sinful man. He's a descendant of Adam. He's a sinner by nature. He's a sinner by practice. He's a sinner by choice. And God comes to him and gives him the gift of grace, the gift of salvation. Here in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we find this message that no doubt Noah said just like others of the saints of the Old Testament said. And it's recorded here as the Apostle Paul shares with us in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10. He said, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. <laughs> That's what Noah would say. By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I'm here worshiping the true and the living God. By the grace of God, I hear him. By the grace of God, he has given me a message. Build an ark to the saving of my household. We find that 
Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He had a right standing with God to begin with. He had been saved by the grace of God to begin with as he had that message. And now he's been told to build an ark for the saving of his household. This Noah is the Noah that demonstrates what grace is. God's unmerited favor. You know, in the days of those children of Israel that we've read about in the book of Numbers chapter 13 and about to get into chapter 14, we have this word about them. Back up one book there to the book of Romans, if you would. Romans chapter 11. We're going to find in and among those Israelites, those 12 that went in, even as they were representatives of Israel, they were representatives of the covenant that God had made with national Israel. There were only two of them that understood what grace was. Only two that believed that God was able to do what he said he would do. Only two came back with a good report. Only two had been given a heart to believe. Only two had represented God when they came back and said, He is able to give us this land just like he promised. Well, here in the book of Romans chapter 11 and verse 5, Even so then at this present time, also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. God had chosen grace to be a representation of himself. Unmerited favor. I am God. I do not have to save a soul. But in a covenant of grace made before the foundation of the world in eternity past, he had determined to save some people by grace. By his only grace. He would be the one that chose them. He would be the one that would find them. He would be the one that brought them the gospel. He would be the one that gave them repentance and faith. He would be the one that gave them the new birth. He would be the one that gave them every spiritual gift and grace in Christ Jesus. And we find two of them came back and said, he's more than able. Two of them came back. He says, he's my almighty God. He's the sovereign king. What are you talking about? He's not able. Even so then at this present time. And you know Moses, even though it broke his heart to see what was going on, I'm sure he was able to rejoice in two that saw grace. Two. I don't have any idea the population of the world. A lot of estimates have been taken of the population of the world at the time of Noah. And he was a preacher of righteousness for years and years and years and years and years and years. And when it came time for the flood to come, eight souls got on that boat. And everyone else had no idea in this world what grace was. Now if there were other saved ones, they died before that happened. Methuselah, they died before that happened. This word that is used to describe the actions of God towards some of his creation has real import to our study and our place of our study. Turn with me, if you would, again back to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter 13. We must go there one more time. Numbers, chapter 13. These are God's instructions. To Moses, this is grace in action. 
The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I gave unto the children of Israel. Now last week we read a number of verses of scripture throughout the Old Testament about God's gift of this land to the children of Israel. I gave it unto Abraham. I gave it unto Abraham and Isaac. I gave it unto Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I've given it unto you. I've given you this land. You're going to have this land. It's going to be a gift to you. And here we have them coming up to the very border of Kadesh Barnea. And God says, send in spies to spy out the land and see how good it is. Well, what would happen if you were called on to go out and spy out the grace of God? What report would you bring back? The grace of God. He has promised to give this great gift. He has promised to give his children Christ. He has promised to give his children the grace of God, the gospel. He has promised to give every spiritual blessing to his children. He has promised to give them heaven on earth in Christ Jesus and heaven above in eternity. What is it? Bring back a report. What do you have to say about it? You know, if I ask that question among some people, they say, you know, if I work hard enough, I'll make it. You know what happens to the church? God's got to present me spotless because I'll never do it on my own. God's got to do the work. I'll never get it done. You know, we just can't move from day to day without the grace of God. In fact, it is so serious that we can't even pray without the grace of God. We can't live without the grace of God. We need grace every day, every second. We are sinful people from the morning, the day, the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep, and then we dream the rottenest stuff. We need the grace of God throughout every moment of our day. And that is, I will do what I said I will do, and I will present you spotless at that day. And the church says, hallelujah. Because it's impossible from this side. It's impossible from this standpoint. We find out that not all, even though they were natural descendants of Abraham, not all of them were spiritual descendants of Abraham. From what we read here in verses six, uh, verse 4 through 16, there's a name and a tribe given. Verses 4 through 16 of chapter 13. There is a name given, a tribe given. And in fact, it says they're the son of. We got real lineage here. We got real Jews here. We got real Israelites here. And yet we find out that as it was in the New Testament recorded, it was recorded throughout the Old Testament that not all Israel which are of Israel. Twelve of them are sent in. Ten of them come back and they don't know the first thing about grace. They do not understand the message that God gave to Moses and Moses gave to them that I have given you this land. Go in and find out how good it is. That's all I'm asking you to do. Go in and find out how good it is. And they came back and said, you know, there's some blessings there, but we're just not able to do it. And they stirred up the people so much that the whole group of people demonstrated that they didn't know the first thing about grace. And the book of Hebrews says they all died in unbelief. What? They didn't know the first thing about grace. 
that the work is God's. The moment that those ten came back and stirred them up, they said, we should, we should have died in Egypt, in slavery, eating poor food, and we should be make, making brick with straw. We should be working our fool heads off. We should be back there. And you know, there were two that ripped their clothes. Now, I'm not going to do that. But it's a metaphor for how broken-hearted they were about the situation. How it was revealed to them that there's a whole bunch of us that don't know the first thing about the grace of God. I thought they knew. I thought they understood. I thought they had a handle on this. They talked the talk. But when it came time to demonstrate what the grace of God is, they walked away. They said, not for me. We can't do it. And two of them said, we can't do it either. But our God can. Amen. Our God will. Our God has. He will continue doing what he has been doing. Watching over his people from the very beginning until this point that there will be a remnant according to the election of grace. Right here, right now, and it's being demonstrated. Jesus told a group of Pharisees, he said, if you were the children of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. What did Abraham do? When God came to him with grace, he believed God, and God counted it unto him for righteousness. He didn't, get, he didn't believe and then God gave him salvation. He believed because it was a gift of salvation. Know ye therefore that the, they which are of faith are the children of Abraham? You know, if that's true, we've got two of them back here in the book of Numbers. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise? Not a Jew outwardly. Now these ten represented the Jew outwardly. So did Joshua and Caleb. We have the inherit, we have the trace the line. But these two came back. Now t notice with me. Let's uh, look in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30. And Caleb still the people before Moses. Numbers chapter 13 verse 30. And Caleb still the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. How, did, how could he say that? I have a great, almighty, all-powerful, all-sovereign God that has already promised it. In Numbers chapter 14, read this with me, Numbers chapter 14, as we go on with a continuation of this whole account, in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24, God says this, Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, But my servant Caleb... Now, to have God say that about somebody is grace. My servant Caleb. Because by nature, we're enmity against God. By nature, we, are, we will not have this man rule over us. We've got it figured out. Those ten had it figured out. We can't do it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, 
and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. I've given him grace. He's acknowledged that by demonstrating faith, because faith comes from God. And he says, I'm going to take him in as one of my children, and so shall his seed possess it. Caleb speaks again in the book of Joshua. Would you turn there with me in the book of Joshua? Joshua chapter 14. And verse 6. Joshua chapter 14 and verse 6. This is after they've possessed the land. You know, I just love what God had to say about all the good things He gave them. He gave them completely. And Joshua is going to confess that. Every good thing. You know, the church today said, every good thing He promised, I have. I may not comprehend it all. I may not understand it all, but I have it all. And by the grace of God, I'm learning more about it every day. We grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I learn more of what I have. It doesn't, he gives me more. He, it's all there. I learn more. Well, here in the book of Joshua chapter 14, and there in verse 6, it says, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. This man had been given a new heart. As we read about in Ezekiel, as I saw it in my heart. Wow, what a land, and it's all ours. And God's given it to us. All we have to do is cross the Jordan River, and we're here. Nevertheless, verse 8, My brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And then Moses swore to him what he was going to get as a result of it. Boy, this in heaven too? God's grace was for Joshua and Caleb, the fruit of grace. The grace is all of God. Going back to the book of Numbers, if you join me there in verse uh, chapter 14 again. Chapter 14, verse 26. Chapter 14 and verse 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation? God never uses his, those terms with the church. How long will I bear with this evil congregation? Which murmur against me. I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. That's quite a sentence. Three times there. He's murmured, murmuring, and murmured. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. 
your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. And all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye said should be prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. Them will I bring in. <laughs> That's grace. God doing it. All the number of the days, verse 34, which ye searched the land, even forty days, each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities, even forty years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. And I, I the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all the evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed, and there they shall die. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, which returned and made all the congregation to murmur against me by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report unto the land died by the plague before the Lord. Instantly. In front of everybody. You know, throughout the Bible, we have these words recorded, the battle is the Lord's. For the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. That's recorded in the book of Proverbs, chapter 21 and verse 30. You know, we heard read this morning in Luke chapter 19 and verse 27, but those mine enemies, which will not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. These demonstrated we will not have him rule over us. And in that day, God consumed them before the host of people and promised that the rest of them that would not believe did not believe, and in fact could not believe, would die in the land over the next 38 years, and those that entered into the land would be a new generation. Joshua and Caleb went into the land. Why? Because they had a different spirit. They had a different heart. They were given grace by Almighty God. Grace Grace. How precious is grace. God's work. God's purpose. God doing His work without our assistance. I can't help but think what Brother Scott Richardson said. God saved me against my will with my full consent. Brother Mike, would you come and close please?